Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is 1 Timothy 3. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would want to, that we would aspire to do good work for you and your kingdom in the local church where you've put us. We pray that you would give us the power, your strength, to do what you want us to do. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. 1 Timothy 3 The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to supervision, he desires a good work. Therefore, the overseer must be irreproachable, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching, not addicted to wine, not a violent person, but gentle, peaceable, not loving money, managing his own household well, having children in submission with all dignity. But if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Not newly converted, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. But he must also have a good testimony from those outside, in order that he may not fall into disgrace and the trap of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not insincere, not devoted to much wine, not fond of dishonest gain, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And these also must be tested first, then let them serve if they are above reproach. The wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who have served well acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you in a short time. But if I am delayed, I am writing in order that you may know how one must conduct oneself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and mainstay of the truth. And most certainly, great is the mystery of godliness, who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was proclaimed among the Gentiles, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Well, that's our reading. Let's dig in. In chapter 1, Paul explained that he left Timothy in Ephesus to stop false teachers from spreading nonsense in the church. Now, in chapter 3, Paul gives some direction about appointing overseers. Clearly, you wouldn't want to appoint a false teacher as an overseer, but also the overseer will continue the work of keeping the false teachers from spreading their bad ideas in the church. Paul gives several qualities to look for before appointing a man as an overseer. These qualities are things that every Christian should be working on. The husband of one wife is literally a one-woman man, meaning, I think, not someone who cheats on his wife or divorces his wife and marries another. Paul mentions skillful in teaching. This gives us an idea of the work of an overseer. They are to teach the church. You can get an idea of a person by looking at their family and see how their children are doing. 
Of course, that takes years to see how they turn out. Paul also includes verse 6, not newly converted, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. It sounds like he is saying that the devil's downfall was in becoming conceited. So Paul is saying, give a person some time after they become a Christian to make sure that this position of authority won't go to their head. And finally, Paul mentions having a good reputation outside the church, because what a person is in one area is what they will be in every area. Then Paul moves to qualities needed for another office, the office of deacon. Deacon is a fancy word for servant. So the duties will be different for a deacon, but comparing the two lists, we see many of the same qualities listed in each, because these are qualities that every Christian should be working on. The one notable exception, Paul doesn't include skillful in teaching in the deacon's list. So it seems that the position of deacon is not primarily one of teaching. Paul mentions serving in verse 13. For those who have served well acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Interestingly, Paul mentions wives of deacons in verse 11. The wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. The strange thing is that Paul didn't mention any qualities for the wives of the overseers. So some have concluded that Paul isn't actually talking about the wives of deacons here, but saying that women can also be deacons and is giving qualifications for female deacons. That would be a little odd, though, since immediately after mentioning the wives, he says, verse 12, Deacons must be husbands of one wife. So, if Paul is giving qualifications for female deacons, it is odd that he would insert it right in the middle of a longer list of qualifications for male deacons. Probably more to the point is the idea that when you appoint a deacon, you are getting a team of husband and wife. They are going to be working together at this job. Then, Paul gives a reason why he is writing. That you may know how one must conduct oneself in the household of God. We might think that this is a little out of place, especially as he goes on to give us a poem or a hymn. What does that have to do with all of these qualifications? We have to remember the purpose. What is an elder and a deacon serving for? The household of God. This is for Jesus. And this poem reminds us how great Jesus is. It starts with, who was revealed in the flesh, and ends with, was taken up in glory. So the thing to remember in these positions in the church is not the high status of the person in that position, but that they are serving the great God who came in the flesh and served us. And now for a deeper dive. These two positions, overseers and deacons, are the only ones mentioned in the New Testament that we can appoint in a church. Well, there is apostle. An apostle is one who is sent. So if the church sends someone out on a mission of some sort, they could be called an apostle. But if we are sending someone out to do a work for the church, then we should think about if they are exhibiting these qualities. Of course, we cannot appoint someone as an apostle of Jesus Christ, because only Jesus can do that, and it seems that Paul was the last that Jesus chose for that position. So now, perhaps, you are thinking of another position that is prominent in churches today. What about that guy who gets up and preaches on Sunday? In many churches, they will call that man the pastor. Actually, pastor is a different word for the position of overseer. 
In Acts chapter 20, when Paul wants to see the overseers of the church in Ephesus, it says in Acts 20 verse 17, And from Miletus he sent word to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. Wait, there's another word, elder. But it is also the same office. Down in verse 28 of Acts 20, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he obtained through the blood of his own Son. He says the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers, and then to shepherd. A pastor is a shepherd. And when you read the Bible, you find that pastors, elders, and overseers, which are the same thing, are always mentioned in plural, more than one. So the idea of a man running a church that is so common today is not the Bible idea. And if you change the word and call that one man something else, such as preacher, it doesn't help, because we tend to expect that man to shepherd, teach, oversee the flock. So, if we aren't considering these qualities in that man, we are setting ourselves up for problems. See, the problem is that we are thinking of the church like a business. The overseers are the board of directors, and the preacher is the CEO. The board hires the CEO and checks in on him regularly, but basically he is running the business. But that isn't what God designed. It is no surprise that we would bring ideas from the world into the church. The Roman Catholic Church did the same thing. They took their ideas from the Roman government, with the Pope being Caesar and the cardinals and bishops being various lower-level governors. But the church is designed by God rather than humans, and it isn't run like a government or a business. Now, what am I trying to suggest for you and I? If you look at the church you are in and see that it is not running the way God intended, am I suggesting that you leave it and go find a church that is? No, you will never find a perfect church. And if you do, I wouldn't be allowed to join because I would mess it up. First, we need to change our minds as to what we expect in a church. Then, we can look at these qualities that Paul lists and think about our own lives. Am I working on all these qualities in my life? And we should pray that God would make the church that we are a part of to become what God intended. And maybe he will answer that prayer one day by giving you more work to do in the church. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible. Copyright 2012 Logos Bible Software. Lexum is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.